You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thank you for making Locked On Winnipeg Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so does not cost you a single penny and ensures you never miss another episode. On tonight's podcast, we are going to be talking about Winnipeg versus Dallas, and uh, this game actually has quite a bit of things that I found interesting, because it's the first time that we've had like a full lineup for the past couple of weeks, although funny enough, we still had 11 forwards and 7 defenders. I'm not sure why Maurice keeps doing this, because to be honest, I feel like Beaulieu doesn't really do enough, even on the penalty kill, to justify taking up like the spot of a another winger or something like that, but it's whatever, I guess. Uh, As far as the first period of tonight's game was concerned, though, the Jets kind of had a slightly uneven first period where the first several minutes were were very much dominated by the Jets, but they weren't really generating a ton of scoring opportunities. The Stars looked kind of bad, they were slow, and it it felt like the Jets were probably going to be the ones to score first. And as it were, Winnipeg did indeed uh, open the scoring for tonight's goal thanks to uh, Paul Stastny getting a deflection from an 8-Bolu shot. It kind of ricocheted off of Stastny's chest and hit his head or something like that, and then just sort of flew past Holpe. Not much Braden could do on one of those shots if the deflection is kind of a knuckler or anything like that and you don't see it at the last second. It's too late already, so not much you can knock Holpe for, just a little bit of poor luck. Comrie at the other end didn't really have a lot of action until later in the period. As the first wore on, you could kind of get the sense that Dallas was starting to at least find its skating legs a bit. It felt like the Jets were starting to give a little bit more space, uh, maybe a couple of defensive lapses, and then there was a notably bad one towards uh, the end of the first period where Jamie Benn was left completely alone because Wheeler and Pionk were, were marking around the same space, and no one really communicated that there was another skater behind them just sort of sitting there waiting for a nice little pass. Comrie never really had a chance. I mean, if you leave Jamie Benn alone in front of the net, it's not likely that he's going to miss. It's just one of those things where even though he is struggling these days, it's not like he lacks the ability to punish you on a really dumb mistake. So that one, not so great for the Jets. After that, it was mostly a pretty back-and-forth affair, but there wasn't a lot of time left in the period. And so, you know, we kind of left the first period tied 1-1, and it sort of felt like, you know, maybe the Jets uh, need to figure things out a little bit defensively. Other than that, though, it wasn't a bad period. And it set the stage for a dominant second period where the Jets just kind of came out firing. Uh, Winnipeg also got a lot of power plays, which definitely pushed, I would say, the, the Stars to the brink. It felt like Dallas was just running out of steam very quickly. And in the second period, Winnipeg just sort of dominated at all strengths and, and really ran the score up and and really pushed the the throttle to the max. This is probably one of the more dominant periods that we've seen from Winnipeg in a long time, and there weren't really any asterisks to put on this period other than that the Jets occasionally had like one or two defensive lapses where Comrie did have to clean up for them, but they added a couple of nice goals from Josh Morrissey on the power play, which apparently we found out that he does like to one-time them from the right face-off circle. 
This development is probably good because Morrissey has traditionally been like the point guy and that's just not really his thing. The Jets do have like a right face-off circle slap shot specialist but for some reason they don't really seem to use him and that would be Christian Veselainen. It's like the one thing that he never really gets any use of which is kind of strange because like when he watched him with a moose and in his previous Finnish league days, that was one of his specialties. That said, if Morrissey keeps this production up and it keeps him off the point, I suppose it could be worse. Oftentimes, we've uh, kind of been upset with him at the point just because he doesn't really have the fastest passing, and when it comes to decision-making, manning that space up top, which is very difficult, it just doesn't really seem like he's the guy to do it. Schmidt is a lot more confident and assertive in that respect. Sometimes Nate will still turn it over and have some silly gaffes, but otherwise, it's a lot more consistent than Morrissey is there. And to Josh's credit, he's been slapping home a, a couple of goals. I think that was his third power play goal, something like that this year. Um, really nice one. I think it's uh, it's got some moments where I think it's a repeatable thing that the Jets can use, which is nice, because the Jets don't really have a lot of right wings that can kind of slap uh, one-timers on that face-off circle. They've got Veselainen and a few other guys who maybe could do it, but a lot of the, uh, the right-handed players are currently injured, so it's down to some scraps and whatever you can find, which is why Riley Nash has been suiting up on the power play recently. Not tonight this time, but in previous games, yes. But, you know, it's one of those things where you can complain about it all you want, and it's just like screaming into the wind. So I'm going to limit the amount of ranting that I do. Uh, the third goal was a nice one from Pierre-Luc Dubois. It came off of a really great net front drive into the slot. Now, the funny thing is, the goal itself I don't really feel like should have counted. There was a moment where it kind of looked like Dubois kicked the puck into the net, but somehow it was ruled a good goal. I'm not really sure how that's the case, but either way, you just kind of take it and move on. It's a greasy one and not exactly the kind of thing that I think the officiating crew should really be proud of in that decision, but whatever. What's funny is it came off the back of another goal that was actually overturned on video review, and this one was a bit of an unlucky play from Dylan DeMello at his own blue line. There was like a deflected puck off of Shifley, I think it was, and then it sort of squirted past DeMello. DeMello didn't really get the gapping right and timed it poorly, and I think it was Rope Hintz who was in behind him and walked in alone on Comrie. Not much Comrie could do, and it looked like Dallas had scored its second goal of the game. But uh, upon further review, and from what I even remember watching the play in real time, it felt like Hintz was really too fast for what the, the sequence was requiring. It kind of seemed like he was offside. He would have had to have had like a little bit of a jump on DeMello, which I think DeMello probably still would have lost the race, but it just felt like it was a little bit too fast, and I thought I saw some gapping between uh, Hintz's skate and when the puck crossed the line, and as it turned out, that was correct. That was one of the few blemishes on what was, by and large, a very good second period and probably something the Jets were, were happy with. I feel like the Jets haven't been bossing even-strength play over the past couple of games. This one, though, was very much a dominant period. I felt like the Jets probably could have scored several more, but yeah, Braden Holpe was actually very good in net, relatively speaking, and I thought he made some great saves. Uh, he kept the, the stars competitive, and it sounds like relative to what you're expecting him to surrender, he's actually been pretty good for Dallas, so he might be some found money for them. I don't think he came cheaply, but uh, I, I have a soft spot for Braden. He seems like a really good person. Uh, he and his wife have been, um, you know, steadfast members of the Caps over the years, real good people in the community. So if Holtby kills it for the Stars, I wouldn't be upset. Obviously, I know it is a Central Division rival, but sometimes you still have some favorite players. Now, for all of the good vibes that period one and two kind of instilled, the Jets in the third period, a little bit of a different story. We'll talk about what occurred in just a moment. Before the note, I thought you should hear about Shopify and why you should be using it for all of your e-commerce needs. Cha-ching! 
I love that sound. Oh, it always brings a smile to my face. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one e-commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. The subscription-based software allows anyone to set up an online store and sell their products. Shopify store owners can also sell in physical locations using Shopify POS, their point-of-sale app and accompanying hardware. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business, so upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility, and Shopify helps make your entrepreneurial dreams come true. To get started, go to shopify.com slash lockedonnhl, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash lockedonnhl right now. Again, that is shopify.com slash lockedonnhl. Are you someone who loves protein bars? Are you tired of all of your favorite protein bars tasting like ash and dirt? Maybe you're ready for a change. And as a fellow protein bar appreciator, I can tell you that Built Bar is your best alternative. It's the only protein bar that tastes more like a candy bar, with a 100% chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. It comes in several delicious flavors like salted caramel, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, and so many other great flavors. Built Bar often releases very special limited edition, limited quantity flavors that once they're gone, they're gone for good. So stay tuned to their social media platforms and their website to make sure you never miss another flavor. As delicious as Built Bars are, they're even better for you, with most bars clocking in at around 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of net carbs, and 17 to 18 grams of protein. Built Bars are perfect for every lifestyle, whether you're looking to maintain or lose weight. Placing your order couldn't be easier. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. Place your order today for the best tasting protein bar on the market. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. Thanks for making Locked on Jets your first listen of the day every day. We're talking about Winnipeg versus Dallas in what was a very interesting, multifaceted game, I would say. Dallas has obviously been struggling. We talked about it yesterday with uh, Dane Lewis of Locked on Dallas, and he kind of talked us through some of the issues that the team has had. But even with the star struggles, you just can't take your foot off the gas against an NHL team, especially one that is chasing the lead. And unfortunately, for some reason, the Jets decided period three, they weren't going to play. You could sense the Stars starting to pressure Winnipeg's defense and putting some serious uh, press in certain areas, especially around Comrie. The Jets committed some turnovers, there were some sloppy defensive plays, Comrie had to make a couple of pretty decent saves, and suddenly Dallas looked like it had its tails up. It was ready for action. And then towards the midway point of the period... Winnipeg ended up taking a bit of a silly penalty, and Jason Robertson, in the chaos of a bunch of sticks poking at the puck and Comrie basically flopping around, not really able to make the clearance himself, scored a quick goal. In that whole sequence, it was just a huge defensive disaster, which is not super surprising with the PK. I think Comrie did about everything that he could, but unfortunately, for some reason, Logan Stanley just sort of lay in front of the net like a, like a giraffe. And I think it's in these situations where you kind of see why I still have concerns about him being used as a penalty killer. While he is very big and strong and can kind of muscle his way out and block shots, I sort of feel like when you're facing a lot of really tight, close chaos, this is where his lack of agility and mobility might be a bit of an issue. You need to be quick to react and strong as well, and while he does have the strength, he doesn't really have the fast reactions. He can definitely skate the puck up ice in space, but when you're dealing with a close quarter situation where you have like four Dallas skaters 
all inside the crease and jamming at the puck. I don't see this as an area where he would be particularly strong. You need guys who are a little bit more mobile and probably more defensively aware. So not a great sequence for him, really bad sequence for the PK in general, and just like that, Dallas was back in the game. The Jets kind of surged back a little bit, but still not enough to be particularly dangerous. Dallas mostly had the run of play, and just a few minutes later, Tyler Sagan deflected one past Comrie from a really great deke at the at the blue line from John Klingberg. Now, there was a penalty on this one that didn't get called. It was a cross-check, and it created the space to allow uh, the double deflection, so you can argue that the Jets kind of got robbed a little bit, but regardless, you still have to play the game, and I think that's where the Jets kind of felt really short, especially in this this third period. And after that, the Jets really did start to push the pace again. Winnipeg kind of snapped back to life, and it was like, oh, hey, we actually have to close this game out. You know, by that time, though, it's already tied again, and so the Jets are looking for a go-ahead goal. To blow a lead that you had a pretty comfortable grip on is is pretty embarrassing, and I think the Jets have had this trend over the last several years of not really knowing how to close out games. I don't know why Winnipeg kind of has this cycle constantly of playing well and then stepping off the gas once they think they have a comfortable lead. With how this team defends, everyone has to know it's never safe. Even if you've got three or four goals. I mean, we saw that meltdown against the uh, the Minnesota Wild. And I get it, the Wild are a good team, but the way that they tied it and then won in overtime was super, super humiliating. The Jets kind of got schooled, and it was an embarrassing sight to see, especially after they missed an empty net or two. This time, it didn't really feel like the play was like as lazy as the Kyle Connor offsides or anything like that, but it just felt like the Jets in general, they stopped pressuring. They gave the Stars more space and time to work with, and Dallas, you know, greedily ate it up in and scored as a result. So, not a great time. Uh, the overtime, though, was pretty crazy. The Jets flat-out dominated overtime. There were some amazing shifts. Pierre-Luc Dubois had a couple of really good chances. Josh Morrissey came within inches of winning it. Uh, there were some really great opportunities and end-to-end rushes. And generally speaking, the Stars never really got a look at Comrie for almost the entire OT period. There were a couple of scoring chances here and there, uh, one or two that I thought were really close. But overall, you know, the Jets just sort of dominated and, and ran the tables. It was more Braden Holtby and Nett who was the primary difference in these extra five minutes. He absolutely stonewalled the Jets and somehow just robbed everything. And he ended up forcing a shootout, which the Jets traditionally don't have a lot of fortune with. This time, though, the Jets actually prevailed. And thanks to some really slick moves from Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley, uh, the Jets ended up coming through with this one and got Comrie his, I believe his, what, second NHL win as a Jet. I don't know if he won any games with Detroit or anywhere else, but I, I know that he only has a couple of wins to his Jets record. Even though his numbers may not look super gaudy tonight, I thought in general he did a pretty capable job and looked more like an actual NHL backup, so in that respect, that's good news. I I just kind of want good things for him. He seems like a nice kid, and, and certainly the, the journey through the NHL hasn't been easy, and it's been a little bit cumbersome at times. I'm sure he wished it would have gone a lot differently and that he'd had more career success, but if he can carve out a role as like a backup for the Jets, I really feel like that'd be pretty okay. He just needs to keep his performances up and keep the Jets in it, and I think that's about as much as I really want from him. I don't need him to be hellebuck, but just do enough to keep Winnipeg in it every night. With that, the Jets are now 5-2-2, two, and two, and I have some thoughts on this particular game and some interesting trends that might be worth talking about and looking at over the next couple of weeks. Before we forge on ahead, though, I thought you should hear about why betonline.ag is your number one stop for all your online betting needs. We're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. 
into another sport? No problem. BetOnline has your back with European football, soccer, NASCAR, MLS, MLB, NBA, every kind of sport imaginable is at your fingertips. Go to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From all your favorite sports right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the safest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. So start your winning path today. Sign up for a free account at betonline.ag and don't forget promo code LOCKEDON at registration. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out tonight with some final thoughts on Winnipeg versus Dallas and some interesting trends that might hold some grains of truth going forward. The first is that for what feels like the first time in forever, Blake Wheeler actually had less time than Nikolai Ehlers. And it wasn't like Ehlers didn't get a lot of ice time either. He had like over 21 minutes tonight. Uh, 21 minutes and I believe 20 seconds to be exact, which is among the highest time on ice for the entire team. Anytime Ehlers steps on the ice is usually more positive than it is negative. I know that the points have been a little bit hard to come by, and in some areas he is still kind of... He's working through something. I don't know what it is, but he hasn't quite been as dominant as he usually is. I don't know if it's just sort of random luck or if he's actually dealing with like an injury or something and we just don't know about it. But either way, you know, he's, he's still one of our top players and one of our top playmakers. And when you give him more ice, better things tend to happen. So that's positive. Uh, Shifley and Wheeler together, not really sure that that combo is, is my favorite. Um, but Wheeler getting less than 20 minutes a night is is definitely a, a sign of improvement. This is something that we have been asking for for some time. So while it is, you know, a, a small step in some areas, I do think it is, at least philosophically speaking, a bigger shift for the Jets. The coaching staff has never really given him this little ice time before. So maybe it's a longer term trend. I don't know. Lowry, Shifley, and Wheeler all played together, which is actually... In some ways, a little bit better than Connor Shifley-Wheeler. At least Connor, you know, you don't really have to worry about his defense as much. Lowry can provide some of that checking. And the pace of his game is more in line with how Wheeler plays. I still think Shifley probably needs to be on a faster unit, but if this unit is going to stick together and allow the balancing of the other two lines, I don't mind that as much. The fourth line, it, it is what it is. It exists. I guess you could hope for maybe a couple of points here and there. But having like Connor Dubois, Ehlers, Svechnikov, Harkins, and whoever else they can find to start mixing and matching together, I, I don't mind that. I think if you have a lot of scoring depth and you can run these lines with Dubois really anchoring uh, one of your top total time on ice deployments, I, I think that'll actually work out pretty well for the Jets. The defense is definitely still a work in progress. I felt like the D were generally less terrible tonight, but there were still some issues. Dylan and Pionk had a better game, but they still have some chemistry issues, and there are some communication things that I don't know if they've really worked out yet. I, I don't know if it was more like the Jets got lucky with that pairing this evening. Dylan didn't seem to have as many glaring mistakes and coverage issues. Pionk only had one or two blown assignments. I hope it's a sustainable trend because that pairing definitely needs to improve a lot. The other pairing that did kind of stick out was Morrissey Schmidt. I thought Morrissey looked his best that he's looked in some time. He still had a couple of shifts where it was kind of like, ooh, that's not so great. Uh, but overall, I thought Morrissey had a strong game. And I think a lot of it is because Dallas spent so little time inside Winnipeg's defensive zone that it didn't really call upon the issues that Morrissey has. You know, when Josh is kind of parked inside the DZ, his ability to read the play and stuff tends to lag a little bit behind somebody like, say, Dylan DeMello. And it's not like DeMello's perfect either. He'll still make mistakes from time to time, but 
Morrissey often has issues under pressure with making some really sloppy turnovers, not necessarily detecting where danger is coming from on the forecheck, and so it's kind of led to some embarrassing situations. But uh, in this game, I thought he was really offensively assertive. He had a great goal. I felt like he had a he could have had another goal, to be honest, um, and it just looked more like the, the complimentary player that we're used to, and that's sort of what you want with him. If Schmidt is doing the predominant like transition stuff and being the most assertive player in that pairing, I feel like that'll give Morrissey the space and time to kind of pick out the corners, look for the soft spaces, and work in between the margins. They also need to keep the play up the ice because once it goes back to the defensive zone, you start to notice the, the pairing's issues a lot more frequently. As it is, though, in this game, I thought that they were pretty good. They only had a couple of uh, notable errors here and there. Morrissey's last OT shift wasn't super great, but it's whatever. It's just good to see him having a really strong game, and hopefully he can continue that form throughout the rest of the season. I think those are probably the most important takeaways. I, I hope that some of this stuff is like a mainstay throughout the rest of the year. You know, less ice time for Wheeler, more ice time for Ehlers. Let your good kids play. I think that's the most important takeaway. And as always, have some fun with it. Uh, we'll talk about more of these trends as they continue throughout the season, and we'll check in later to see what happens in Winnipeg's next game. But for now, that is going to do it for tonight's episode. Thanks for making Locked on Winnipeg Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now make your second listen Locked on Fantasy Hockey. Host Scott Cullen leans on his decades of fantasy hockey insight and experience every day to help you be the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available on all your favorite platforms, so drop him a follow and tell him we sent you. As always, thank you for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!